You know how I said that WWE is mainly angle to wrestling, whereas AEW is wrestling to angle. And not so many of them either, not so many promos, filmed inserts, and that's part of its success. Well, this week, there are a lot of promos, there are a lot of interviews, but they still manage to make it wrestling to promo. Great episode this week. We go straight from the titles into Darby Allen versus Joey Janela for the TNT title. Janela's not winning this, is he? But instead of being a deathmatch or having high-flying spots from the off, they start with a series of hammerlocks. Very nice. It only really starts to break out when um, Janela offers a, an elbow suicida. As Excalibur calls it, there is a very nice springboard coffin drop, but it's caught by Janela into a suplex. That shows how much the bad boy can wrestle. He really can, and so can Alan. Janela hits a pile driver for a long two, but in the end, there's a code red and a coffin drop for the pin. As a beginner, as the first match, that's really good quality. And now we get the inner circle stuff, with Sammy coming in, saying, can everybody go? He wants to chat with MJF. He wants the camera there. Wardlow, he says to Wardlow, MJF says to Wardlow, you could go. And Sammy faces MJF with, you want to run the inner circle. MJF takes his phone out, quite ostentatiously actually, puts it on the side and says, I think you're jealous. I think you want to run the inner circle. And of course, Sammy says, sarcastically, oh yeah, I hate Jericho, I want to run the inner circle. Thanks, says Joey. I've just got, says um, MJF, I've just got that recorded. Well, actually, there's a cameraman in the room, so Chris Jericho will be able to see that, won't he? On a monitor outside or later on in a rerun. Anyway, Sammy says, were you recording me? Throws it against the against the throws the phone against the wall, punches him in the stomach, leaves MJF writhing on the floor in pain, which is what a lot of people want to see, of course, because he plays that heel so well. I'm a little bit bored with this inner circle stuff, to be honest with you. I want him to get it over with so we can see what they're doing, whether or not, I don't know, MJF and and Sammy are gonna be together and they're playing Jericho, whether Jericho and Sammy are playing MJF or whether they're just going to go through it and say okay we're splitting now and we're going to have two factions which I wouldn't expect AEW to do but please let's get there because I've seen this sort of thing before and I don't really expect that sort of thing on AEW anyway here's the nightmare family Cody coming through a set of gates, very nice, like a gated community. You can't get to him because he's an executive director. You will see him. And this is Cody and Lee Johnson, who's lost, 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 versus pretty Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi. Yeah, Cody's on Peter Avalon very fast, but when Bononi comes in, he's a big bloke and he manhandles Johnson. But Johnson then uses his speed. Cody gets in, tries to put the big man down. Can't, 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 come with a lariat. But Benoni, he he manages to hit a lovely pump handle fall away slam. That's great. Jim Ross is talking about his picture in picture all the time. I think he, he says it about half a dozen times. 
I know it was a thing, but even Excalibur does it as a kind of as a kind of in for a dig thing. Just leave it, will you, lads? It's not working. There's a Johnson Fisherman Buster, which is slightly over rotated, and Shivani says, "Oh my God, he broke his neck." <laughs> he didn't, thank goodness. But in the end, Johnson rolls up pretty Peter Avalon after Avalon misses, misses his finisher and he's won one. It's a nice energetic match. Lots of nice clear action. Benoni looked good. Avalon still doesn't look very good and he's lost really even with this character in the shuffle. Remember when he was something to be heard in championship wrestling from Hollywood and Arizona. Remember that? That seems a long time ago now, Peter. And afterwards you get a nice heartfelt Johnson speech. That's all right. I heard a podcast in which it was said that this was a good spot. I didn't think it was because the books know what they're doing, but the Good Brothers, who are better here than in Impact, but couldn't be much worse, still aren't really very charismatic. They talk about last week's Battle Royal, and the book said, what were you doing? If we won the Battle Royal, we would have picked you. So why did you help to get us thrown out? And they said, it's not on us. The inner circle you won't be looking at. Oh, yes, yeah, the books, that's right. I remember now, it's almost as if I just thought about it for the promo. Yes, I remember. Then they kind of do the too sweet thing, and you know, some don't want to do it because all stings over there, and I feel a bit frightened and a bit worried about it. It's it's a bit infra, and it's not it's not played well enough, to be honest. Um, and it's the good brothers, so I'm not massively keen. Then we get a really nice moment setting up a promo later on with, with Money Matt Hardy. Says to Hangman Page, I'd like to take you to a bar. I've got our own bar for the night and it's all on me. And Page says, tabs on you? Of course. Then he walks over and walks past the Dark Order. And there's that kind of thing when you walk into somebody, an ex or when they, you can't, hey, hey uh, uh, I've just got to go over there. Yeah, no, no, fine, yeah, yeah, fine, yeah, no problem at all, yeah. Uh, yeah, so nice to see, see you anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over here, yeah. Really nice teenage stuff. Very sweetly done. And later on, we're going to see Hardy uh, with drinks with Paige. Paige seems a bit sloshed. That's the poor kind of thing we've got with the drinking. Still don't, I still think that's a bit seamy, to be honest. Hardy's throwing his drink away. Puts a contract in front of him, says, you really should sign you know, I can make you a millionaire, or a billionaire even. And he says, you know, I, uh, I'll only take 30% of that. He says, yeah, why don't I sign? Get me a pen. Hardy gets him a pen, talks to the camera and says, I had you here because he'll be upset in the morning when he sobers up, but I wanted you to, I wanted you to see this, document it. In the meantime, Paige switches the, the contracts out. So this will continue. Paige is good, Hardy's good. I'm just not sure where this is going. Next, kind of a squash, Ryan Nemeth, Hollywood hunk, against the Bastard Pack. The Bastard Pack! You fucking Bastard Pack! Ryan Nemeth looks like Cody, so I expect Pack thought it was great beating him down. Pack does look down on him, quite literally. He's taller, a bit taller, but he looks down his nose at him before they start. It's very nicely done. 
There's a pack snap suplex, a drop kick in which he flew from the top, kind of a missile drop kick that. And when Nemeth gets a very nice DDT, it's because Pack spikes himself on the top of his head to really sell that. But it ends with a twisted black arrow. God, it's a corkscrew and a half that into the brutalizer submission for a tap, and he won't let go. The crowd love it. Pack is over, and that is great. What isn't is this hokey wedding thing. We see the aftermath of this with Orange Carrot Cassidy saying, what do they think would happen? I'm bound to be there. I'm bound to come from there. Yeah, you are bound to. And we knew it would happen. And that's why we're bored with it. Moving on. So now we have the, um, the tag team spot and shot for um, the acclaimed against Jericho and MJF. And MJF's got his ribs taped. He punched me in the stomach. He punched me in the stomach. Yeah, we've got this match to, to, to sort out. So, you know, MJF, of course, doesn't want to engage at all. But, by the way, the wrapping from the acclaimed is, although it's... Some of the infra stuff is okay as far as the rhymes go. The wrapping thing... Do you know, this went out with Kid Rock, mate. And that went out a long time ago. Probably best to stop, I'd say. So, the crowds screaming Jericho's song are just brilliant. It's become his unofficial anthem, as they say, and I think that's right. It's a good match, this. Nice and fast. The acclaimed can clearly hang with those two. Max Caster hangs with Jericho. There's a backdrop and an elbow drop only for a one count, though. There's a poor flapjack from Bowens on MJF for a two, because, of course, he's got his ribs taped so they go after that MJF has to rake the eyes and he really does he really reaches out to rake them in the corner that's very nice and they start kicking him on the corner of course there's double flapjack on caster which is very nicely done and it's lovely old school heel stuff so MJF for ages hits an abdominal stretch and then he's reaching out to Jericho who is uh, holding you know he's holding hands with him grabbing the, the ropes that happens about three or four times. In the end, Aubrey Edwards sees it, kicks the arm away. That's really nicely done. I love that sneaky heel, old school stuff. We don't see enough of it. The end's a bit of a mess, actually. Ortiz is in there. He's smacked off the apron. He has a bag, goes into Caster's hands. Caster hits Jericho as he's coming over for a lion salt for, an, for a long two. Then the inner circle all get involved. In the middle of this, there's a Judas effect for the pin. That's a real shame. And, you know, we could have done with a clean pin here. Not just the inner circle getting involved. I know they're a gang, but I'm getting a bit bored by that, you know. A little bit bored. Of course, at the end of that, Sammy comes in and tells him he's done. Jericho's winded a bit and smirk... Well, not smirking, but kind of half laughing, because... He does that sort of thing sometimes. MJF is smirking. Um, Hager takes off his jacket for some reason. I suppose because I'm very angry. I'm taking my jacket off because I'm smashing the picture. I'm too angry. And then we get the sting spot. Where he comes out and tells 
gets involved. And on this point, they've got Darby Allen outside in the car park in a body bag attached to the back of a van. And they drag him through the car park. What is it with AEW and kidnapping? Oh, Marco Stunt's all right, by the way. Apparently. But what is it with them? Good spot, though. Very nice. Then we've got Omega, who's got the big match later on, but he's not getting ready for it. No, he's out on the golf course, as he says, at one with nature. Alex Marvez is there to interview him. A bit like Columbo with Robert Culp that time, you know, when they're on the golf course. Only not as good. He says, just watch this shot. A bit like George W. Bush. Now watch this drive. Hits it out of the bunker. It's nowhere near the flag. Callis is there with the flag. They're talking. Callis knocks it in. Did it go in? Yes, it did. Another eagle. That was very nicely done. Very nice promo. Very lovely. And what's also probably one of the matches of the night here is the women's eliminator. You know, you've got the, you've got the Japanese part of that, which is going to be on YouTube. And you've got the US part of it, which is more important, clearly. So you've got Leila Hirsch and Thunder Rosa. This is going to be a good match. Layla Hirsch is a kind of mini Ronda Rousey. And I really like the work she can do. The stuff I've seen her do is really, really good. So, this is a really, really good match. They tie each other up early. Um, Layla Hirsch, it's a very good runner off the top. There's jockeying for position galore. Reverse neck breaker over the top for Thunder Rosa. Hirsch has got a painful arm and struggles to suplex with it. But gets an arm breaker in there. Thunder Rosa muscles her up, dumps her. There's a, onto the map, there's a, a, a Thunder Rosa driver for the pin. And the great thing about this is that Hirsch tries to kick out, but hasn't got the energy. That, that is a really, really good wrinkle. And I really like the old school stuff that AEW remember. But now for some new school stuff. Kenta and Omega versus Mox and Archer. This is going to be something special. It is a false Count Anywhere match. And Callis is on commentary, saying that with Kenta it was a grooming process. I, I'm not quite sure you should be using that phrase, Don. I want to rethink that. Anyway, false count anywhere. Kenta gets his briefcase and smacks Mox with it early on. And then Archer. Archer just turns around as if to say, that's a very, very bad move. When they're both on Mox, Kenta pushes Omega off to say, I want to do that. And they get in each other's face about it, which is very good. Obviously, at points... Mox and Kenta face off. They don't really do anything. There's nothing that you'd think, oh, I can see who's going to win a match against these two, but that's very nicely done. When the kind of um, trash wrestling, quite literally, starts, there's a trash can from Omega to Moxley's head. He then goes up top and moonsaults with it, and then Kenta hits a drop kick into it. That is beautiful. Archer gets a ladder, takes them both out. Omega's suplexed onto it. And then Mox gets an STO on Kenta and bites him as well because there are no rules. Yes, they obviously go out into the seats. Avalon gets involved because he's on his bed, of course. 
Archie choke slams Omega onto the bed, and then Mox and Kenta go up the steps into the kitchen onto one of the stainless steel or certainly metal um, tables. That's the word I'm looking for. Tables. Kenta hits the DDT onto it. Then a cross face, but Archer breaks it up with a box of potatoes. Oh yes, you get your King Edwards action. Then he takes one potato, smacks people with it. Shivani said, can I say it? He potatoed him. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. Back in the ring, a Singapore cane or a kendo stick if you want. Is got by Mox. Before he does the work with it, Roberts, who's for some reason on the apron, mocks bows to him, which is a lovely, lovely moment. But before he can really use it, he tastes two V-triggers. Oh, yes. And then out, and then he's laid on a table on the outside of the, of the, of the ring. Archer and Kenta fight back in. Archer's down. Suddenly, the camera's by the by the table where Mox is. Kenta suddenly jumps off the walkway, double stomp onto him. And because they'd been fighting each other and other people, didn't expect that. I really didn't expect him to do it. It's as if he saw him and thought, I'll have a go at that. I'll have a go at that. And he does. Just great. Archer was given a lot here, an awful lot. When he gets back in the ring, he, he choke slams Omega. He's allowed to do that. Mo- he, he walks the ropes and a moonsault onto him for a, a long two. But the good brothers have to come in and spoil things, don't they? Oh, yes. There is a Robert short, short clothesline to Anderson, but he can't finish off because they crowd in on him until Mox brings a barbed wire bat in the ring. Might not be barbed wire, might be gimmicked, it might just be rubber or something. But gives it to everyone. Kenta hits him with a go to sleep. And then Omega needs the help of the Good Brothers to get Archer up for a one winged angel for the pin. Christ, that sounds like a lot. And it was, that's only some of it. What an action packed episode of great wrestling. Just so colourful. And it has that old style which I love. They remember things. There's a love of wrestling which which runs right through this programme. And I absolutely love it. It's a five out of five. Because it's different to ROH. It's different to NJPW. It has more of the kind of sports entertainment stuff. But it's rooted in wrestling. And that might be the best mix we've got at the moment poor poor NXT having to go up against this ta ta